Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our Wild Card Chicago Bears postgame show. As our Chicago Bears fell to the New Orleans Saints by the final score of 21 to 9. I'm not counting that touchdown at the end. I don't think you at home are either. Really, that score is 21 uh, to 3, really, uh, when you look at how this game kind of progressed. Uh, but alas, our season it officially comes to a close in a very fitting fashion, uh, if you will. I'm Russell DeWitt. Joined with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. We're here to break down this final Bears game of the 2020 season. Nick, one word summary of this game is? Atrocious, maybe would be a good one to to encapsulate this this performance by the Bears, but expected, um, I don't know. There's probably a bunch of words that are even better than the ones I chose here. What about you, Will? What do you got? I'll match your A word with another A word, and I'll go with abysmal. Uh, this offense was just, uh, well, abysmal is the word I use, and I'll use it again here. They only had one third down gain this entire game. Came in the final two minutes of the game on that drive that I'm not counting, that garbage time drive uh, at that. And on top of that, they just had way too many drives. Nick, I, I think I counted uh, seven that they couldn't even get 15 yards in a single drive. I know the Saints defense is tough, but I did not expect this Bears offense to struggle that mightily but we'll we'll break it all down uh, as we go throughout it and Nick let's just go ahead and jump into this first first quarter and let's begin uh, our opening drive here and as we just kind of kick things off for this opening drive 
Where's your headspace? Obviously, you and I watching this game together, it was frustrating, embarrassing. We kind of were able just knowing the fate that was about to happen, you know, just kind of let some of that pressure off of even taking notes for this game and paying attention to all the nitty-gritty details in each and every play and just kind of, at least I took the last quarter to just absorb the fact that this is going to be the last Bears football I get to watch until August, September. Who knows uh, with COVID and how this year is going to end up playing out. Um, but what's just your initial thoughts here as we kind of kick off our show? I think right at, you know, as this game was kind of unfolding and the offense was having its struggles, like it did well, I look back at those four games where the offense exploded, you know, being going, doing historical things, scoring over 30 points. And I'm like, that's all a lie. I was BS because that's not the true bears. And they showed their, you know, they showed their true form here in this playoff game, right? Like anybody could win. No, the bears couldn't because that's who they were. They got in because of, obviously all the circumstances that happened. So that's what I kept thinking about as, you know, there were multiple third conversions that the bears struggled to get, or they, they got one, they got one in the very like last drive that you were saying, well, or struggled to score or move the ball. So that's what I was thinking about. Like this team is exactly who it was in that losing streak. Someone that couldn't execute, miss tackle, like all the things that, you know, we saw in that losing streak, they came back in your most important game of the season. They sure did. Where I'm at, Nick, I'm still kind of blown away that apparently it's easier for this Bears team to replace Roquan Smith than it is a Darnell Mooney. It it baffles me. I thought this defense was going to struggle a lot more than it did today, and that's a lot of credit for the guys up front. This defense, even though they gave up, again, they only gave up three touchdowns to the New Orleans Saints that were they put up 50 against the Vikings just a couple weeks ago. They've been scoring at a high clip. This defense, without its leading tackler, its fastest linebacker, going up against someone as dynamic as an Alvin Kamara, I really thought they were going to struggle a lot. It was going to be the offense that just wasn't going to be able to keep up. And I was expecting that to be like in a 30-plus point scored game. I didn't expect the Bears to hold the Saints to only 21 and for that to not even be close uh, to enough for this Bears offense. So for me, I guess the confusion about which side of the ball showed up versus which didn't today uh, is kind of what I'm kind of grasping with. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Myself. But, Nick, let's go ahead and jump into our monster moment here, our last one of the season. What's going to be your final monster moment here as uh, we wrap up our, our year? It's weird on top of that, real quick. It's weird that the season's over. We know it's over. And we're just so, like, matter of fact about it. Like, yeah, it's our last monster moment. It doesn't feel... Like anything that's like nostalgic or anything to even just relish or take in, it's just kind of like let's just get it done and let's fo- get to this off season because there's a lot of work still in front of us. Yeah, I think that's because of how the season really played out. Well, this would mean a lot more had the season kind of gone. We could get to that later, but to, to answer like the monster moment, I said it during the live stream. I think it is a Javon Wims dropped 
you know, should have been touchdown. You don't know how the game would play out. The Bears could end up still losing this game, even if that happens. But they have some maybe some confidence offensively. Maybe the Bears are more willing to try some of those trickery plays or just deep shots in general. But that's no guarantee. But it, I think that would have put the Bears in the lead, right, early on in the game. It's just it's a beautifully designed play. It really is. Like, got to credit to the Bears for drawing up a play like that, executing it all the way to the very end where you just have to catch the ball. So um, that's, I think the monster moment because we don't know how the game plays out. And like I said, could still, the bears could still end up realistically losing. I think they would have, but that was just a huge not made play by Javon Wims who had a great catch on the sideline earlier. So it just didn't make any sense there. It was back-to-back plays and he has the concentration catch to get the feet down on the sideline. And then the very next play, the easy one is the one that slips right through his hands. I think that is the monster moment of the game. It's literally the game or the moment of the game where the Bears started to let this game slip right through their hands, both figuratively and literally. When I look at the rest of this game, trying to find another monster moment, my mind keeps going, well, which punt was the best for the Bears? Because that seems (laughs) like what they were doing most consistently. I think I'm going to give my monster moment to the game, though, to a punt, or when they went for it, or actually, sorry, when they punted fourth and two. Uh, right before the half. Uh, not that they needed to go for it there, but the Bears were down 7-3 to three with a chance to go 2-for-1, Nick, and they came out so conservative. That drive is my monster moment. That, to me, signaled that the Bears were not willing to be aggressive. They weren't really trying to play to win this game, and they were really just satisfied with what they were doing, which made no sense to me. And we've seen this Bears offense when they go no huddle all season. They tend to find a little rhythm, move the ball, get down, and for them to come out as soft as they did, as conservative as they did there, to me just signaled the mentality of this team. And I think in the second half, we really started to see that come into a reality just a a little bit more, whether it is even the Bears, not the touchdown drive to end it, but the one prior, uh, the one-yard drive, you know, that magnificent one-yard drive that the Bears got Mm -hmm. on three plays, when they came out running the football down 18. Another signal of, like, we don't even want to attempt to come back in this one. So for me, uh, unfortunately, it's going to be the one right before half when the Bears, to me, signal that they already uh, were giving up this game or just not willing to be aggressive. And this is a game that I think you needed to play a little smash mouth. You needed to be able to be the aggressor. And there's not one point in this game that the Bears were able to put themselves in that position. And I think that's a big reason why they ended up on the wrong side of this final score, amongst a bunch of other reasons, by the way. But, Nick... As we're going through our first quarter here, our opening drive, do you have any stats that stand out to you that is not the one for 10 on third down? And obviously the one, Mm -hmm. again, came in that very final drive, and the Bears all game long could not get over the third down issue. And I know this Saints defense, one of the top five units on third down, but it shouldn't have been this difficult. The Bears really did shoot themselves in the foot. So that's the most glaring stat. But how about you? Is there any other that just – uh, comes to mind or that you're looking at just really is telling of the game? I think when going to your last point there, telling of the game, we went into this, you know, game thinking that David Montgomery had to be the focal point. Um, you had to find a way to establish the run and, you know, to set up the Bears offense, what they had been doing, you know, to kind of end the regular season here. But the 12 carries for 31 yards, and I know, look, New Orleans were was doing a fantastic job of limiting David Montgomery and, not allowing him to get those yards that we had seen in the past. But that's telling because this offense could not go when David Montgomery had no kind of 
I guess, real factor in the game. And when you take away the rushing attack, you take away the play action, you take away the the effectiveness of these design rollouts, and that's what you see in that stat, 12 carry for 31 yards. And I don't think that's that's not a Montgomery. And it's more so just how the Saints were able to play their defense that they've been doing all season um, and just playing lights out and limiting the Bears at the one thing that they were doing well. And that's the thing. Well, we said if they take away this, what are you going to allow Mitch Trubisky to drop back and pass and, you know, try to pass you into the game. That wasn't going to be a realistic option. So the 12 carries 31 yards, you see that it limited Dave Montgomery. It really stopped the bears offense. Yeah. And on top of that, they couldn't get Montgomery involved as a receiver. He didn't even have a single catch here today. And that's been a wrinkle of his game that has allowed him to be effective. Even if things between the tackles on handoffs have been bottled up and they couldn't even get him in that regard. So, yeah, that's a really good one because, obviously, without Montgomery, that's a big reason why some of the stats that I already mentioned, the lack of execution on third down, uh, the, the drives, the seven drives that couldn't even go for 15 yards, uh, all really just kind of stick out. That's a big reason for it. Uh, the other only one that stands out to me is the whopping nine penalties that the Bears had. Uh, I know only 50 yards on them, but, I mean, we can point, pick and choose all these penalties, and they're just so huge, big moments that – Either allow the Saints to extend drives, put the Bears' offense in a horrendous situation that they can't dig themselves out of, and of course, the Anthony Miller getting himself ejected. So I think the Bears' lack of discipline, and on top of that too, Nick, the ones on defense when they're just jumping on, you know, fourth and less than five when you know they're going to go up there with a hard count. And I know Cole Komet too. I know it's his first playoff game, but he had him, uh, himself some struggles uh, when it comes to uh, keeping it clean and not getting uh, penalized as well. So a lot of just nasty stats really each and every way that you splice it up and I did forget Nick you didn't you should have corrected me we need to take a time out to let us know about the monster moment going back a step it's brought to you by our friends over at Miller Lite and during this time of social distancing enjoying a Chicago Bears playoff game as hard as it may be to enjoy this game specifically with friends over a beer it may look a, a little bit different than it has in the past but as the original light beer Miller Lite has proven that it can persevere and bring people together near or far through Miller time. And even though it has been a challenge, staying connected, it's just as important as it ever has been. Some people, they're stuck in their house with their roommates and partners. Others are at home with their family. Some are still keeping their interaction strictly digital, and others have embraced hangouts outdoors at a safe distance. It doesn't matter how you watch the game with those close to you as long as you have Miller Lite because Miller time is like no other when it comes to watching Bears games. There's a reason why it's been a staple at Soldier Field for so long. Remember, no matter where you're watching the game, it's always Miller time in Chicago. Pick up Miller Lite for your game day needs. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. All right, you're listening to Chicago Audible. This is our final post-game show of the 2020 season. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. I'm joined with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. We are jumping in to the second quarter here of our post-game show, which may be a quick one or a long one, depending on how we want this conversation to go, because it's all about this Bears offense. There's not a lot to talk about, yet everything to talk about all at the same time. Nick, I'm going to lean it over to you and just kind of delegate what do you want to discuss with this Bears offense? There's a lot that we can just look at that wasn't working. Uh, but also, and on top of that, I think it is time to start having that bigger conversation for the future. Yeah, well, like that's where I kind of want to take this conversation. Just by asking the simple question, with this offense as it is right now, what do you take into next year and feel good about? Like, honestly, 
where you're feeling like, okay, we can build off this player, this, this scheme, this, whatever the, the bears offense may be doing, but like, and I look at this bears offense and then really factor in like those weaker defenses were probably the main reason why the bears had success on offense. What can this offense really take from Matt Nagy? If he's here and build laser and build upon it. Like, I don't know. Yes. You can keep running the play action rollout stuff, but obviously teams will figure that out. Better teams will figure that out. So it's not something that you need to be able to build off that. And that's what I think is concerning that I just don't think the bears have won the players and you're going to might be losing like Allen Robinson. You're not going to have like a, you know, the solidified quarterback. There's just so many questions that I have because all those glaring issues came up in this game where the bears can't pass their way to win. They have to definitely, you know, run the ball, but if they can't do that, they're done. Like, you know how you could beat the bears out or if they even behind the sticks, you talked about like some of those, uh, those penalties that they had, they started the third quarter, first drive of the game. It was a penalty, right? I think it was a false start. Whatever it may have been, you knew the Bears weren't going to convert. Like, how, what can you, what do you feel good about on this Bears office? There- Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Anything. As Except a, for Darnell as Mooney, maybe. Now, no. maybe Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney is like, and he wasn't here. And like, but that's like, I just don't feel comfortable. And that's, there's so many things you need to fix that that's why it's so concerning to me. And if you bring in Matt Nagy, you know, this whole entire group back again, isn't this the same issue new season? Like that's, that's a feeling I'm kind of having at this point. Yeah. I'm right there with you And this game specifically. is tough because they couldn't run the ball. And we already mentioned that as well. I'm trying to figure out why is it, was it a mixture of the play calling? I didn't see the bears get much push. There's the only time I saw them really getting any push uh, was with that. It was after uh, Jenkins got that fumble recovery. I still thought it was an interception. Almost called it that. But that fumble recovery, they gave the Bears the ball at the Saints about the 25-yard line. And they from there, they just decided to run it down their throats for a few plays in a row. That's the only time when I'm recollecting the game that I can remember them even getting any push. So I think lack of push, but also just play calling in general. It wasn't giving – this offense had no flow. And – uh, it's just hard to really do much of anything. And the unfortunate part is the Bears only had the ball for 21 minutes. Uh, they only ran 49 plays compared to the same 75 today. It's really hard to say what wasn't working besides it just was broken because they didn't do themselves any favors today. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, you can't pinpoint it to one thing. And that's, that's also the problem. Like, oh, you know, obviously they didn't run the ball, but why didn't they run the ball? Well, maybe it's because of the two undrafted free agents. Like, that's who you had starting against these bad defenses. They did their job. But, hey, against the Saints, a top 10 defense, and it's tough for any offense to kind of create that push. But you saw it. It was evident today. The running lanes, the rushing lanes were not there. The holes weren't there. And the offense couldn't function. And that's – look, coming out of halftime as well, nothing – Nothing was better. I mean, you look at the no. drives, Will. <laughs> I mean, look, they give up, they go seven plays, 26 yards. So that was actually what, probably one of their longer 
drives and it was only what three minutes 23 seconds so i don't think that's saying much but punt punt like it's just nothing that was nothing it the halftime adjustments were there like they haven't been all season and that's also another one of the concerns you're seeing the same issues over and over again right and again your one scoring drive that i'm counting that field goal was a six yard drive and it should have been a touchdown. The defense gave you the field goal, but the Bears' offense failed to do anything with that field position. So actually, at that point, it could have tied the game instead of had to settle to make it a 7-3 ball game. Uh, when I'm just thinking about this offense in general, Nick, another thing that kind of irked me, uh, whether it's uh, a pivotal, I think it was, well, it was a fourth and two or a third and two, it was whatever and two, and he gave it to Ryan All instead of David Montgomery. That's an issue. That makes no sense to me. Number 32 is your primary back. He's your bell cow. Right now, honestly, he's probably the only true running back that you have, uh, NFL running back, not Ryan All-level running back. Not trying to be mean, just trying to point it out. I, in a playoff game, why would you give it number 35? And they, the Saints, as soon as Nall's in that game, they knew what that what the Bears were trying to do. They knew they were going to run it, and they keyed in on it. They sold out, sold out for it. And it was just it was broken before they even snapped that ball. I can think of times when they put Patterson back there as well. And I know you're trying to get some different people some touches, but they didn't do Montgomery any favors to try to get him into a rhythm as well. Uh, so personnel usage, and that leads me to my next one. Why is this Carter guy who's been off the street now in this house hall for about a month, uh, who's been your primary punt returner, why is he getting snaps over a Riley Ridley? I, I don't know if that's a more of an indictment on the coaching staff or unfortunately – even probably even a larger issue, maybe not larger, but equally as large issue, Riley Ridley still not progressing where guys who have just been brought up to fill in a punt return role can step in and leapfrog you on a depth chart. And you've been here for a couple seasons. That's to me is yet another huge concern. You know, well, to my opinion on the matter is that I would give more weight to the coaching staff if they proved anything to me, but they haven't. So Nagy with his play calling decisions, lack of adjustments in the third quarter, like what he has shown me is that he doesn't know what to properly do. So when you see a guy like Riley really not play, I, you know, and again, we're not there for practices. They're seeing all this stuff, but there's no reason that Carter should be on the field over Riley really. There's not, there's not. And you drafted what? Uh, Riley really in the fourth round. So not a throwaway pick by, I mean, not to say that six and seventh are, you know, that, but he was a guy that you thought could be something. So it, it had this bit, if this coaching staff was more reliable in their decisions and things like that, then I'd be like, well, they know what they're doing, but I just simply think they don't. And that's, that's also one of the things that we've seen, like the player development under Nagy, there hasn't been a lot of guys that have gotten better. You would say. And that's that's what's also very scary about whoever if they decide to bring them back, then you're just you have the same group, but they're not they're not progressing and becoming the best version of themselves because you're limiting that because of your coaching staff. So I, I firm I believe that Riley really should be playing more, but they again the coaching staff thinks otherwise, and obviously they're wrong because they don't know how to do anything right offensively. Right, it's disheartening to see that the Saints almost had three times the amount of first downs gained than the Bears. The Bears only had 11 first downs for this entire game. A handful of those came on that final drive as well, Nick. So you're probably looking at truly seven to eight. Uh, I'll check here in a little bit, but seven to eight first downs that they had before that final garbage time drive. Uh, so that's a huge concern. Uh, and on top of that too, Nick, 
what we saw today from the offense, obviously it doesn't cut it. It's not an offense that can win in the NFL, let alone win in the NFL in a playoff game. Is that some, is that enough for you to perhaps change? Your, I don't even sorry, change your mind. I don't know where you were on Matt Nagy yet. We do deliberately hold these conversations for the off season. So now it's time to say whatever you feel. But I'm curious: does a showing like this prove to you that Matt Nagy, or at least Matt Nagy's offense, and with the current personnel, it's not enough, and you have to almost blow it up? You know, it really is leaning that way, Will, because. In, even in the you know his first season here, it's not like the offense was spectacular. It wasn't. Let's be completely honest. In 2019, took ultimate just regression, and then 2020 was this this fluctuation of whatever was actually real with this offense. I don't even know. So I would say that yeah, it, it probably is to cut ties. But that's a, that's the problem with the Bears though, organizationally. Like they always cut ties, and they're not. Not that they should be willing to commit longer to, you know, like a, a Tressman or a Fox. Like, no, like it was good to cut when they did. But you get in this cycle of like every single time things go bad, immediately, like we're cutting them. You're cutting ties with them. And maybe, and I think right now, Matt, I think Matt Nagy can be a good coach later on, but this, it's just not working here. Like it, something is not connected. So I, if I had to make the decision, I would cut ties. We, there's, it's just not going to work. You can't, you can't put up realistically three points in a playoff game. Like, come on now. Right. Well, he doesn't have Helfrich here to be a scapegoat right now. He doesn't have, uh, on top of that, too, uh, not, who's the prior offensive line coach? Uh, Harry Heastan. Like, he doesn't have him as well to really point a finger at and say, you know, he needs to go. He brought in guys that f- supposedly fix all of this. You promote Dave Ragone, which I'm still baffled about, by the way. And we're still sitting in the, the same, almost a worse situation. Again, and now we know, and now we have our answer because during the winning streak, I'll call it towards the end of the year when we're playing those bad defenses, I'll, I'll be honest, I was cautiously optimistic that it was real growth. And I wanted to really hope it would be. But what we saw against Green Bay, what we saw here today against the Saints proved to you that it was a fluke. It was the defenses that we were playing. It isn't the offense taking any steps forward. And the unfortunate part is, Nick, it's I don't think keeping Nagy here with as much control as he has with this offense, even if he get a different quarterback, I don't see how it can change all too much. And I know we talk about keeping him for like the culture purposes because he could be a good glue type of guy. But looking at this team and how flat they looked all game, how they've looked flat in some big moments this season in prime time. And I've yet to see, and again, broadcasts are selective, and that's, that's something I want to make sure I mention, but I just don't see this team having any fun like it did in 2018. I don't see them picking each other up, uh, encouraging one another, and being really a team. It just seems like it's a group of individuals going out there and trying to play football. And that's, to me, there's an identity issue on offense, as we know, but I think from a not who is the offense, but who are the Chicago Bears is a question that I don't think the people in the locker room know right now. I don't think they know who they are, or if they do know, they think they believe they are what we saw today, and that's damning as well if they believe they're this bad of a team. Yeah, and I wonder, like, after a loss like this, well, a playoff loss, everyone saw this, and 21-9, and it, it wasn't that, it, it was 21-3 to when we really think about this. Um, like, what does Matt Nagy even say? Like, this is on me, like, I don't know. Like, there's only, he well, it can starts only... off, you know, we had a really good week of practice, guys. 
<laughs> that's exactly how it starts and that's the problem like you what kind of again it, we this is probably going to be for later conversation but um for matt Nagy, it's like how does anyone believe in him and what he says because none of his words have weight to them or have validation that things will get better and that's the problem like if you're in this locker room you know you're coming back next season it's like well i mean we were supposed to compete against the Packers game, you know, against the Packers. We didn't, we got blown out. Oh, this is, you know, this is a time for redemption. Like, no, again, it was one-sided. We weren't competitive. Like as a player, like, and the players need to play better themselves. No doubt about it. But I'm not going to give them a, a free pass here, but you just can't have any confidence going into the next season. I would say, even with him as the leader there. And he, he I would say like, he does a lot of good things, but he does. He hasn't proven it well, and that's that's the big issue that I have with him. Like he says a lot of great things, but what eight and eight, two seasons in a row now, and you you piggybacked off your defense to get to twelve and four and win the division. That's that's not going to do it for me. It's not, and it's tough because again, you can look at his overall record and point to him and go, well, you know, he's above five hundred, but that happens when you start off twelve and four which, again, was not even due to his offense. That's the defense. Remember all the points that defense scored. It's not even how good they were getting off the field or you know, being strong against the red zone or the number one defense against the run like that team was. That defense scored points. And we're seeing the effects of them not scoring points the last two seasons. And apparently that's enough to have us be a 500 team, which is going to really put you in some weird purgatory of just straight up NFL hell because you're never going to have a top pick to get some of the top caliber players. And on top of that, too, how are you a favorable destination for some of these free agents? Free agents have their own issue because right now the Bears have cap space. So it's just really we're in a real interesting spot for this franchise, Nick. Uh, I know we're talking about the offense, but I'm just thinking bigger here. Like We're in an interesting spot where this thing can get unfortunately maybe darker before it gets better and we may need to understand that but on top of that I do see teams who can kind of stick around this middle ground and just with the right piece or two be able to flip the switch in turn I just don't know I think the Bears unfortunately are a few pieces away and not just a couple here and there not just on offense but both sides of the ball Uh, when you're looking at I guess today's game we should talk about it a little bit more concrete here I don't even know where to go with this, man. It's It was just so bad. Like, obviously, we like, well, Allen Robinson, he had himself six catches and 55 yards, and that's great. And on top of that, I'm pissed off because they squandered his best drive when he had that 15-yarder and that 21-yarder to start off this third quarter. The Bears were finally showing some promise, and then there they go. They start going backwards a bit. Anthony Miller gets ejected, and they end up punting. So it's every time they even get themselves with some momentum, and it's been this way all season long, Nick. They find a way to shoot themselves in the foot and get off the field. Not with points, but with their tail tucked between their legs. <laughs> yeah, and like that's uh and that goes back to coaching. Like, how are you having like some of these mental breakdowns like with Anthony Miller? And we were talking about this during the live streams. Like, you know Gardner Johnson is an instigator. You know he's gonna get in your head, you know he's gonna talk. Don't retaliate. I that had to have been the message. There's no way that it's not, given how these teams face the first time. But what does Anthony Miller do? Someone who hasn't contributed all season, who hasn't been the, you know, that second round draft pick that the Bears were hoping he would be, he throws the punch. He he retaliates. He gets flagged. He gets ejected. Puts his team in a, a bad position. Um, 
luckily it was an offsetting penalty, but yeah, I think just like, just looking at the wide receivers, um, if you're not going to play Ridley, you're going to most likely lose Allen Robinson. You can't, you don't know if Anthony Miller's like, well, you look at wide receiver and you're like, crap. That is back to before it was a season right before, you know, Matt and I right, got this here. This time is we don't have the cap space to buy a Taylor Gabriel, to buy an Allen Robinson on some of these cheaper prove it deals either. Like, and Allen Robinson, I would say cheaper because I do believe he's played higher than his contract. Like he's played above his pay grade. The bears got lucky, very, very lucky. He was coming off that knee injury and he's been able to outperform his numbers. I don't know if he can get that lucky again. And I don't think they have the capital right now to, actually go and recalibrate and retool finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds meet the ergo smart base from tempurpedic our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed get your best sleep all night every night for a limited time save up to 500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep undisturbed sleep of tempurpedic Get full offer details at TemperPedic.com. That position group, and, and it's unfortunate. Obviously, if you can keep Robinson and you have Mooney, then you're, you're, it's a much easier situation, but I don't know how they can keep A-Rob. Actually, this brings up my next question. What's the biggest hole in this offense? Is it QB? I mean, I'm looking at quarterback, and I know that's the end-all, be-all of football and the NFL, and that's understood, but then I look at Teams like the Rams a couple weeks ago uh, without Goff, looking at, you know, Washington yesterday. It's just I see teams with no-name quarterbacks being able to have much more production on offense, and it just blows my mind, and it has me scratching my head. Yeah, and that's – look, I want to say quarterback. I really do. But, like, if you had a vision as an offense or an identity as an offense that even a backup could run it, like – like you saw with the Rams or, you know, even the Cardinals are trying to compete, you know, with their backup, like at least you, maybe you have a chance, but it seems like with the bears, even if they had a quarterback, they'd be in a bad situation as well. So I, I will go with quarterback though, because it does solve, it, it hides a lot of the issues. I would say like you can get away if you have good quarterback play, Oh, your offensive line's not as good. Well, if you have a good quarterback, he can still try to make plays, but like this team won't go anywhere if the same lack of identity is still implemented in tw- in the 2021 season. It won't. It won't. And that's the the reality of the situation. So, are, is Matt Nagy going to change? No, that's not going to happen. So, I think the Bears have to have those conversations with themselves, the higher ups, George McCaskey. It's like, is Matt Nagy going to get better? He hasn't. He's done the exact opposite the last two seasons. So. I got to get somebody new, but you got to make the right choice there too. It's, it's a real, like you mentioned, it's a, it could be a lot darker than it becomes lighter sooner mm-hmm. than later. And that's, that's honestly the reality of the situation. We're back to re everything's on the table. I would say in terms of retooling, rebuilding and anything's on the table. And that's not a position you want to be in. Uh, I did do a couple Twitter polls here uh, while we're setting up the post game stream uh, out of about 800 votes. We're at about 80% saying Nagy should not come back next season from Bears fans. So that's a pretty hefty chunk of the fan base right there. Uh, on top of this, Nick, you know, we look at QB, and when you look at the offseason, options are not too enticing out there. So, again, how can this get much better right now? I have no idea. So there's just a lot of holes all the way around. I think it does start with identity uh, as well. 
uh, which is a big problem that this offense has. Is there any other gripes that you have from what we saw today specifically when it comes to this offense? I think penalties were the big one, inability to run the ball. It just sucks because they just had the same. It was just so formulaic where it's just like three and out, three and out, three and out. And when you have that, there's not a lot that you can really grasp at for like bigger takeaways other than the fact they couldn't even begin to sustain a drive. You know, well, I think another thing, this is the second game in a row where it, it took way too long to get Allen Robinson involved. And maybe he was covered up and Marshawn Lattimore has been playing really good football as of late. And, you know, the Saints defense has been really good. But look, if it's not working with David Montgomery, the next option, there's er, – Look, maybe it can go vice versa. If, if Allen Robinson's not working, you go to David Montgomery. But if David Montgomery's not be doing what he's supposed to do on the ground, you go to Allen Robinson. That's that's what you should do. But, like, it's just what I think it was in the third quarter where Allen Robinson gets his first reception. And if I'm not mistaken, but you find ways. And he's a great wide receiver. He can get open. And he was tearing up Marshawn Lattimore last, you know, the first game. And I know they, they definitely have improved, but. That would be my biggest gripe. Like this, the two, two past games. Why isn't Allen Robinson more involved? And they play, they play good corners, but come on now, that that can't happen. That's the offense that also has looked really crappy these last two games. I don't know if the, you can put the two together, but it makes sense to me that it, you don't get your number one top ten top. You know, maybe for some people, top five wide receiver involved in the game plan earlier. Your offense is not going to look as good. I don't know. It's just that's something that I would have definitely liked to see gone differently had they, you know, played a third game together. Sure. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you. Like getting your best players the football in their hands is obviously one of your biggest goals, or it should be one of your biggest goals, not just for the game, but early on to get yourself into a rhythm, get you some momentum. Heck a couple first downs and doing it in some ways where it doesn't need to be overly complicated. You know, what happened to that Allen Robinson slant that we saw a few weeks ago that they forgot about? It's just gone. And so it's, it is very uh, aggravating, uh, confusing all at the same time. How much do you think they missed Darnell Mooney today? And is, you know, he's been pretty consistent as well. And obviously you have to find other avenues. And I think the bears definitely struggled with that. Just looking at the target share, no one else outside of Allen Robinson, I uh, had more than three catches. Uh, Carter had three. Again, I can't believe he had three catches. I can't believe he had four targets. Uh, Komet had three. And then outside of that, everyone's at twos and ones. And I think Darnell Mooney, with his top-end speed being missing, really allowed that defense to play down. And that could be the beginning of the detriment for this offense. But, gosh, you have to find a way to overcome it. Darnell Mooney, your fifth-round pick, and I'm not saying this to be rude, but the Bears should find a way to overcome his absence. Yeah, absolutely. Because I don't think, you know, going into the season, you're not thinking like Darnell Moody is going to mean this much to the offense. And we've seen the offense takes its, I guess, evolutions throughout the season. But yeah, no, absolutely. I think the big thing they missed with him too is like he does a lot of motion in the backfield. And that were indicators to, you know, Trubisky, like is this manner, is this zone? And obviously you can use like a Carter to do that as well. But there are also plays where Mooney would go in motion and then get the ball. Not just on like a jet sweep, but go in motion, use his speed to separate from a defender and get, you know, a first down, which the Bears obviously needed in this one. So he was a big loss, but and that's again another um I guess negative thing on Nagy. Like he couldn't he he couldn't adjust if he didn't have Mooney. And that's a problem. 
It's a huge problem. Uh, wrapping up some of this offensive talk, Nick, do you believe this was Mitch's last game as a Chicago Bear? Ooh, um, yeah, I'm going to say so. I, I think it was, and like, I, what is that? That mean Nick Foles is the front runner to be the starter now? I don't know, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this was Mitch Trubisky's last game in a Bears uniform. Well, I, based off of what Ian Rappaport said earlier today, right? Like, if it's yeah. kind of contingent on a deep playoff run, which is so unfair to Mitch uh, to be like, to put that out there today of all days. And you know that there are people internally who leak that purposely. So that's to me a, a little upsetting, but with you, Nick, I don't see how you can bring them back. Makes the quarterback real interesting next year. What about a Rob? I mean, we have all, we have all off season, but what do you think? Just off the cuff. Yeah, I think he's gone too. It's uh, it's going to look a lot different on the offensive side. I think next year. Absolutely. I'll, I'll give you uh, my Ryan Pace thoughts slash your decision on Ryan Pace here soon towards the end of the show, more than likely. Is there anything else on offense specifically that you wanted to discuss here uh, today? Obviously, we'll really dig into it more during our Say the Franchise episodes here that follow uh, the year when we kind of get into our offseason work. But is there anything more from today's game that you wanted to discuss? I think today's performance in, in this wild card game against the Saints was the true Bears. Um, so look at that four game stretch that they had at the end here. No, this is this is who they are. This is their identity. This is what they can do. It's more consistent with what they've done for the majority of the season. So take that how you want. But I think as a Bears fan, you're like, crap. Well, we knew offense was bad, but we didn't think it was this bad. It felt very much like the offense we saw earlier this season, right? Only 48 total yards in the ground as a team, less than 200 yards passing, less than 10 points scored. So it just felt like everything that we saw earlier this year came rushing right back. And again, it goes with the the caliber of the opponent that you are playing. But that is, guys, the final discussion, uh, at least in-season discussion, on the Chicago Bears for this 2020 season. And we'll move into the third quarter here of our post-game show. And let's go ahead and talk about this Bears defense, which again, only allowed 21 points today. They had themselves uh, a takeaway. Uh, could have been a couple more, but as we know, things don't always go uh, in the Bears' favor. Uh, I still think that one Duke Shelley interception was a pick, but that's just me. Uh, but on top of that, Nick, as we kind of just begin this defensive discussion, did they play better than you thought they would coming into the game? Because that's still, like I talked about my initial thoughts earlier, I'm still very surprised they played as well as they did without Roquan Smith. Absolutely. Well, this defense, it was a 7-3 to ball game going into the third quarter against the Saints. And it was close even in the first matchup, but they didn't have Roquan Smith. You didn't have Jalen Johnson and, you know, however you feel about Buster Screen. But, and you have to factor in this offense was just non-existent, awful, getting off the field really quickly. So this defense yep. was out there a majority of this game. And they did not – they gave up 21 points to a Saints team that was scoring 30. And, at you know, in the Superdome, obviously not as much fans. But still, that's – Impressive dude. Kamara didn't have the game that I, I thought he was just going to light up this Bears defense. Like it would be Kamara any way you want it in, in any type of play, but that really wasn't the case. Well, you saw this front seven playing better than I anticipated. And look, they did give up. There were plays, no doubt, Will, where we're like, 
well, they're not tackling. Where's the nearest guy on, you know, a third and 11 play? Why are they converting? Yes, those definitely happen, but that's this. they're the only reason, the Bears defense, they're the only reason this game, I guess, was as close as it was for, for a majority of it. But, yeah, I was definitely surprised how they played, and given that the Saints are a high-scoring opponent, they, they surprised me. They surprised me as well. I think the defensive front surprised me the most, uh, which is great because I did tweet out before the game that in order for the Bears to have a chance in this one without Roquan, the entire defensive line needed to step up. And I thought they did. You saw plays for him below Nichols in the backfield, Akeem Hicks getting in there as well. And then even the guys like Mario Edwards uh, on top of that, uh, even Brent Urban as well. I mean, you saw everyone getting involved at one point or the other, and we needed that today. And uh, it's unfortunate we haven't really seen that kind of a play from the defensive line really over the last few games. Glad they were able to step up today. It's unfortunate it wasn't enough, but it did really help uh, put the Saints into some third and long situations. But the unfortunate part of this, Nick, which leads me to my next talking point, the Bears didn't do a great job on third down on defense. Uh, the Saints, again, they were one of the NFL's best third down offenses. The Bears should be, or they were at least statistically, one of the better third down defenses but today the Saints 11 of 17 on third down which to me shows two things one the Bears got them in third down a lot but two and as we watch this game they just couldn't get off the field which as I'm thinking back a lot of just poor tackling efforts uh, is what kind of led to that what about you why did the Bears struggle so much on third down you know obviously the the poor tackling does help but it, it like when you have a Manti Teo having to start in, in a game where Roquan Smith is usually that guy that that's not going to help you get, get off the field on third down. And I think that like at some point, yes, the saints took advantage of Kendall Vildor being out there, even Duke Shelley. Right. So they took advantage of some of these backups, but like it's still inexcusable to not have to, to rally to people and, and make this tackle before the offensive player gets the first down or when an Eddie Jackson goes what a neutral zone infraction on I forget what was that a third down like I forgot what what down it was but it was like you can't have your your veteran playmakers and putting the air quotes on playmakers there make these kind of mistakes and expect good things to happen right so as good as they did play there are those those crucial moments will those crucial moments where you're like well that's what ended up costing costing the bears there on that drive or whatever it may be may have been so yeah i think it's a multitude of things and like you just can't have your your star players make those mistakes and when that happens then you know everything's kind of going wrong and nothing's gonna work out in your favor but yeah it was a multiple just multiple things that really factored into that which is every football game but no that makes a lot of sense yeah i think it was also kind of a tale of two halves though with this defense and unfortunately that's the offense's inability to sustain drives i think fatigue started to set in uh and on top of fatigue just being a human, which I am, you know, uh, angst, uh, aggravation, what had to start settling in, you know, you get off the field and there goes the offense for three plays. They go six yards and you're right back out there because the Saints only had the ball three times in his second half, Nick, three times, three possessions. And they were able to really just march their way down the field and milk the clock and get the yard. You're looking at a 12 play, 85 yard touchdown drive, a 15 play, 64 yard touchdown drive, then even their final drive, where they didn't get points, ended up at the one-yard line. They're just short, 
So that also kind of helps skew the score a little bit. But that's uh, 11 plays, 67 yards with another five minutes off the clock. So this defense in the second half, like I mentioned, did a really good job on first down getting the Saints defense uh, offense into third down situations, but they just couldn't get themselves off the field. A lot of soft coverage, and when they were throwing it short of the sticks too. Again, if you go back, just count the missed tackles on some of these plays. You're looking at three to four missed tackles per play, and uh, some of that heart. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. That effort wasn't there, but it still was enough to make this game uh, a close one. Uh, at least, again, giving up three touchdowns at all to the Saints I would call that a win for this Bears defense. Are there any other players that uh, stepped up in your mind? Obviously, the no Jalen Johnson really hurt today. I thought he was going to play, and that was kind of a, a blow to me this afternoon, prepping for the show, getting things ready. When I saw that hit my timeline, I already felt a little deflated before this thing started. Yeah, well, and I was deflated even before that news. So um, I think the one player that did show up was Deshaun Gibson safety there i think that he did actually make a couple of good plays and obviously factored into what the the fumble not not the interception that john jenkins was able to get right so and he was making some some decent tackles there but that's someone that did i think show up on the defensive side of the ball and you know even john jenkins being in the right place right time to get that fumble as well but yeah that's the thing even those defense i think did play well and like akeem hicks i think you know had a lot of those those memorable plays i guess he was also what a neutral zone infraction himself um but really i think it was gibson who stood out to me on the defensive side yeah he he was involved with a few key plays whether it be uh an almost interception whether he was able to get a tip up on that ball uh being around uh just a few of the key plays just being a, a big contributor in it as well and for someone that nick we can be honest, we haven't talked about him a lot in this podcast. Uh, early on this season, he did have a few big plays. Then he kind of just got lost in the shuffle. It was just average. But today, he just stepped up a bit, uh, which was needed. The Bears needed someone to step up in the secondary, and it wasn't Eddie Jackson today. Uh, There's a lot of just poor play from him. Are you concerned about even his future here in Chicago? Because it's been a tough year for Eddie Jackson, uh, whether it is all these missed tackles, lack of effort, uh, all these near interceptions that he just can't handle. And for a player that started his NFL career um, as hot as he did, getting that big payday, and now just to take a complete, almost, I'm going to call it nosedive, it's, it's been hard to watch. It really has been. And if he, if he isn't playing like one of the best safeties in the league, like Eddie Jackson, and look, he's not the most athletic guy. Like he can, he does have good range for sure. But it's his instincts that is what made him special. Is just instincts to know where that ball was going and to beat, beat really the receiver to the spot and then make those those game changing plays. If Eddie Jackson's not getting those types of plays, and we've seen him as a tackler, it's not it's not good. Then, man, 
I, I can't believe I'd be saying this on like about AJ, but he's almost a liability sometimes out there on defense. And that's it, being paid what he is. Combine that with Robert Quinn's contract and things like that. Like you have a lot of money devoted to players who are not making plays. And if that's the case on defense, uh, you know, it doesn't even matter who your defensive coordinator is. It's like try winning with that. And because you can't really swap out those guys. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I don't know what every contract is like, the details of it, but it's it's hard to, I'll say. So I, I think Eddie Jackson obviously will be here in 2021, but his play has been very – obviously it's dipped down. It's dipped down a lot since 2018. It sure has, Nick. And when I think back about this game too, there was just – it seemed like everything that could go wrong for the Bears did. It's like when they would get pressure and force group, you know, Drew Brees – uh, to move around the pocket or to make an errant throw. We can't capitalize on those opportunities. Uh, there's the one where Khalil Mack, the touchdown actually, where there's a running back chipping him. The back fell. Khalil Mack jumps over him to go start chasing Drew Brees. And then the running back just stands up, catches the football behind the line, and he he's able to run it in uh, for a touchdown. So it's like even those weird small things that you think are going well in the moment. Like you watch Khalil Mack barreling down on Drew Brees, and you're like, yes, and then it doesn't work. Or every time they would get a big play, a penalty would offset it. So it's just a lot of those situations for the Bears here today. But do you think they mitigated the loss of Roquan Smith all right? I would say so. Well, I mean, like I said, Kamara did not have the the huge impactful game that I was expecting, and Roquan Smith despite what AP, you know, said about him not getting a first team all pro, like he had played, he was playing some phenomenal football and you take that away from any defense. It shouldn't be the same. And like, we've seen this defense struggle and they were, they were holding their own for a good part portion of the game against the saints. That is a very good offense. I will say one other thing. Will like mentioning like, again, the bears shooting themselves in the foot. Remember the defensive possession, where I think Cleo Mack gets a sack, but I think Vildor has the hold. And this is all in the mm-hmm. red zone, if I'm not mistaken. And then what, a couple plays later, it's Dane Trevathan with the pass interference on the tight end. It's like, how many opportunities are you to give to the Saints? Like, yes, they're going to capitalize if you keep doing that, but they had a good play with the Cleo Mack sack, and Drew Brees is going backwards. And yeah, they, they get him down to the 20. And it's like, oh, wow, there's a sack. And you're like one second ahead of me or you saw the flag because my broadcast had like a light blue color for flags and my, my eyes are not trained to see that. And it's like, oh, it's coming back. Automatic first down. So it's just like even when they put themselves in favorable situations where they can give themselves a play, it's going to help the Bears and maybe put some momentum in Chicago's favor. And even in the same play, they find a way to just neutralize it and honestly to switch it right back to the Saints and, like you said, give them those – uh, additional opportunities, but huh, obviously missing. I thought, again, 21 points. They couldn't get off the field. That's a big issue. But being down Roquan, Jalen Johnson, I thought they held their own a bit. And, again, it's depends on how you look at it because score-wise, they didn't give up a lot of points. Second half, though, when they score on two of the three trips and the other one stops probably at the half-yard line, that's another issue. But again, fatigue in the offense. And you can talk about the complimentary football and what's leading to what. And I think the offense and their inability to do anything just deflated the defense, their aggressiveness. And we saw it all. We've seen it all season in games just like this. And even though it was the playoffs, it reared its head 
uh, yet again. Is there anything or anyone else on this defense that you want to discuss? I see Cleveland's up 21-0 in the matter of just starting this podcast. So just wanted to throw that out there. 21-0 without their head coach. That's impressive for, for the Cleveland Browns. Um, the, the only thing, obviously, we know, like offense, there's just so many glaring holes, right? There's a lot of issues. But defensively, even though – you know, there are some playmakers like that. That side of the ball scares me as well. Will, if you don't have the pass rush, we've seen what this Bears defense can be without a pass rush. Not one that's reliable. If they're not getting turnovers, man, it's it's not it's not a group that you feel at, too confident in. And but in this game, they did like they did their part. I would say they did their part for sure. But that is a group as well. There's some bigger. There's some big questions at and. If you're not getting contributions from your highest paid guys, good luck trying to win. Just, and again, too, it's, I, I don't think they even, they did have a pass rush today and they still couldn't even capitalize. There are still missing yeah. tackles in the secondary uh, after the catch. I, I would be, I'm going to look into it. I don't want to find out the number, but I want to find out the percentage of yards that came after the catch today uh, for the Saints because I know that number has to be pretty high up there based off everything that we saw. And then you see like the fullback, like Michael Burton, which, you know, we love Michael Burton. We miss him back here in Chicago, back when we had him. Like you said, you know, Mitchell Trubisky's, you know, old roommate. And he's having, you know, running over guys and making people miss. And uh, that's just very tough to watch here if you're a Chicago Bears fan. But, yeah, it's just very interesting to say the least that you just think about the state of the defense and kind of the trajectory of it and how you can even help it. It's what about Chuck Pagano? We talked about Matt Nagy enough. Yeah. Is he gone? He, uh, he has to I be, think, right? Yeah, I think Chuck Pagano was gone regardless of this this outcome, honestly. Like, yes, it had the Bears somehow pulled out the victory and they, you know, a 21 to 23 ball game or something. I still think Chuck Pagano's future was, you know, his days were coming because this this defense just, for some reason, doesn't play the same way. A lot, a lot of the same players, too. Let's be completely honest, but it just hasn't been the same since he's got here. And I think somebody else can get more out of these guys. I really do believe that. But yeah, I, I thought that whenever the season ended, so did Chuck Pagano's days as being the Bears defense coordinator. All right. Do you want to talk any more defense or do you want to jump into the fourth quarter of a show? Let's go to the fourth quarter, Will. All right. Moving into the fourth quarter of our show, Nick. Special teams wasn't really a factor today, was it? No, it wasn't. And that's – with Cairo Santos, you knew that he would, he would make his field goals, but the Bears' offense never gave him too many opportunities to do so. Um, Will Lutz also helped keep the Bears in this game by missing a field goal. So, yeah, it wasn't a, a huge contributor, and that's probably for the best. But I think the best thing that came out of this 2020 NFL season was the Bears found a kicker. Like that's the best thing out of everything that they have Cairo Santos. And I mean, that's a good thing that don't, don't get me wrong. That's a good thing, but I don't know. You feel like you, you want to have more out of a season than just, just finding a kicker, but it is a good thing. Yeah. And he had to make his kick twice and he did yep. because of the penalty. The second one was a little closer than the first, but they still went through the uprights. It still counted for three points. And he has been very obviously consistent for the bears as he's extending uh, it's what, 28 straight now made, I think, if my numbers are correct. I didn't have the no number in front of me, but I believe last week was 27. So that's 
think easy math enough for you and I, Nick. But yeah, when you punt seven times, you only score nine points in a game. I think that just kind of shows you what type of uh, performance your team had. But I can't think of anything even remotely discussion-worthy on special teams for uh, anything else, right? Can you? Yeah, I just I think this is an interesting comment from Andrew here. He said, funny how two years ago all the Bears needed was a kicker. Yeah. Now it's flipped. Literally everything else is in question. I think the whole that whole kicking situation was to cover up a lot of the other things that were still on that team, like holes, they realistically were, but yeah, that's exactly what, where the bears are at. They need everything else, but a kicker. The world's weird, man. It really is. It makes, it finds a way to make everything full circle. And then it, again, they'll try to patch all these holes. And by the time they do, the, the kicker will be a problem again or something else. And it's just the cyclical nature uh, that we all are used to now. But Nick, if you had to call an audible, for this one, is there a moment that you would change? Is it just the opening kickoff and even going out of the locker room? Or is there a moment that you would want to take back in this one? I, again, I think the Javon Wims drop is an easy one, but is there any others? Yeah, I'll, I'll go back and change the Rams beating the Cardinals so the Bears don't get in this damn game and we don't have to do this because it was just a waste of time. No, obviously I love talking to you and, you and Mason, but um, in this game... You could go the Duke Shelley interception that wasn't maybe that that again they the Bears needed to be in plus territory to do anything remotely close to scoring. If not, then just put another punt on the statistics for this game. But that would that would be one. Cole, let's see, Cole Komet had that um, that penalty that what he was like throwing the ball to the ref and they move 15 yards back and the bears do have to settle for a field goal. They were right there in scoring distance. Um, that could be one that you called audible for, but yeah, if I could, I'd change the Rams from winning to losing and we're not here. <laughs> oh man. I'm going to do a, uh, one from earlier in the game. I'll do the fourth and fourth that the bears ran from the Saints 34. Uh, it was the one right after the Saints first touchdown of the game. So the Bears were looking to answer, and that's the one where Mitch rolls out to his right, kind of hesitates, doesn't know if he should run it or throw it. He's trying to point someone open, doesn't work, and he has a very hesitant scramble, and he only picks up, uh, I believe, two yards, and even then he wasn't really uh, aggressive to finish that. And I say that, I remember every time Mitch ran today, he ran straight for the sidelines, which you like to see him fight for some additional yards, especially in that one. So I like to have, have that whole play back. See if we can draw up something a little bit different that can extend that drive. Because perhaps, Nick, if the Bears can, you know, go tit for tat with the Saints there and tie it up at 7-7, maybe that's enough confidence this offense can have instilled in them to help them execute better throughout the remaining drives. So that's where I sit. And obviously there's probably a few more that we can pick and choose from throughout <laughs> this uh, this game. But uh, I think those are some good ones to kind of draw in uh there for sure but let's go ahead nick let's hand out our final mvb of the season and again a game like this i have no idea who's worthy an mvb but can you find a silver lining can you find a positive um <laughs> forgot we were doing this um no i'm just kidding i think uh mvb i'll give it to, to sean gibson i mentioned him earlier someone that actually you know, made some plays for the Bears defense. And I think that 
he's the only one really deserving. You can't look at anybody on offense and say like, yeah, no, you can't give it. To, like if you're going for like who scored, like Jimmy Graham to score a touchdown, but no, I think it was Deshaun Gibson and his just overall play because you said it, we haven't talked about him a lot this season. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. And the last game of the season, we're finally talking about him. So I will go with Deshaun Gibson. How about you? You can always go Santos and go with the kicker because he scored the only real points of this game. And again, he had to kick that ball twice for the three, so that's a positive. But I think Gibson, though, he was around the ball for the turnover, the almost other turnover. He had the only sack of the entire game. And honestly, Nick, he seemed like he was playing uh, with the most confidence on the entire defense, the most energy, the passion. And I I wish other people would have been able to, to play the same uh, but yeah, uh, there's really no performance that stands out above the rest that you can point to and say, you know what, that that guy was valuable today. I mean, offense, there's nobody. Like you cannot choose a single offensive player at all. So then defensively, I think Gibson's your really only surefire bet. So I think it's a really good one that you took. And I will mention that on the live stream, we kind of were discussing this. I already mentioned Gibson. Mm-hmm. So for those listening to the podcast, I said it first. <laughs> there you go, Will. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for our uh, final two-minute warning? Actually, sorry, before our final two-minute warning, uh, I did want to gauge your thoughts on Ryan Pace. Should he come back? No, he should Um, Look, I think a lot of the problems that the Bears are having right now go back to Ryan Pace and his decision-making from, look, obviously quarterback and like bringing in Nick Foles because you thought that he was a – you know, an option that if Mitch Trubisky didn't um, progress or play to his best of his abilities, that he would be a better option. That didn't happen. Bringing in Robert Quinn and paying him as much money, like a lot of these problems go to Ryan Pace. And if you keep him, you keep him next season, come on. You know the Bears need a quarterback. You trust him with picking that guy? You trust him with picking linemen? What do you trust him with? Picking I, – I really don't have trust in in – and Ryan Pace and look, even Anthony Miller now is obviously a question, not a question. He is a question mark in terms of what his future is with the bears. And that was a guy that the bears moved up to go get right. So the conviction that he has is for the wrong damn players. And that's why the bears are in this situation. He needs to go. If there's someone that like number one has to go. Sorry, Ryan Pace. I met him at Funk's barbershop has great set of hair. But man, that's about it. That's like the positives I could say about Ryan Pace right now because this is this the Bears are in this crappy situation because they just didn't have the right leadership and a guy that can make the right decisions at that very important general manager position. I'm leaning there with you, Nick. Eighty-two point two percent of Bears fans and about a thousand votes now on Twitter say no. Uh, so eighty-two point two percent say no to Pace. Eighty percent say no to Nagy. And 86.5% also say no to Mitch. So when you're looking at that sort of, I mean, if the Bears are looking at our tweets, which they follow our account, they want a good pulse of where the fan base is at and what they want to see or what they expect to happen, 
there's uh, there's all the proof that you need. Uh, I think they say the proof's in the pudding. Uh, I don't know if that <laughs> phrase applies here, but I'm going to say it anyway. But, Nick, let's go ahead and jump into our two-minute warning. You started. Yeah, well, I think the season's over, and it's probably for best. This team had no business being in the playoffs. They, they really didn't. Eight and eight. And you saw how they had to get here, beating up on some of the worst teams in the league, worst defenses in the league to get to this embarrassing loss to the Saints. And the problem is, well, we talked about all these things on on this team, right? Offense, defense, the management, everywhere. But it's like, where do you even start? Yeah, you could start with the higher ups, but then you got to work your way around and try to retool this roster to compete. It can't be done in an offseason. This is going to take time. And the comment that was mentioned earlier, like all the Bears needed two years ago was a kicker. Now they need everything else. That is so damn true right now. They need everywhere you look, they need somebody. And they're going to lose some key pieces, most likely in Allen Robinson. And that, again, we talked about wide receivers. That's a huge hole. There's just holes everywhere you look. And if you have the same group of guys trying to lead this team again, I have no confidence that's going to be better than what we saw as eight and eight. And they're lucky that they got to eight and eight. Well, they really are lucky that it came to being this situation that they even had a playoff run. I hope what I really hope will is that them making the playoffs doesn't, you know, I guess cloud George McCaskey's judgment and decision-making saying, well, they got to the playoffs despite being a COVID year. You can't let that be the reason why these guys come back because they're not the answer. We saw it again against a, a good playoff team. The Bears can't compete. You saw that last week. The Packers, a good a, a team that's going to be playing most likely for the Super Bowl maybe, they can't compete. They're nowhere even close. Against the bottom fears of the NFL, damn right the Bears can compete. They can beat those guys, but that doesn't matter. And that's the problem with the Bears. They're just a mediocre football team at best. Yep, exactly. Average as average can be, that is the Chicago Bears. So for my two-minute warning, first of all, Nick, congratulations to you and I for another year of covering this team. It it does get difficult uh, at times, um, but it's always uh, an honor doing these with you. Uh, As I stall for another 15 seconds, no, I'm kidding. Uh, this, This season has been tough. It's been I felt every emotion at one point or another, including numb, which I felt like I uh, felt for the majority of this game today. Nick, we're watching the game, and it didn't feel like I was watching a Chicago Bears playoff game. In many ways, it almost felt like a preseason game. Like I, The lack of energy, the lack of even any enthusiasm, if I was feeling it and I couldn't see the Bears feeling any, I think that's another huge red flag. And when I just look at the season in general, right, the only reason why we're here is because we – had a very friendly early start of the year, and they got lucky on a few of these comebacks. And uh, on top of that, too, they, I, I think what, they finished 0 and whatever against teams with winning records, 0 and 10, something like that. It was any team that they faced this year that had a winning record, they couldn't beat them. I think if you're looking at a way to assess this team, that's the perfect benchmark to do it. Don't take any stock into some of these other wins that you get against uh, you know, lesser talented teams. Look at what you can do against not even the best, but just teams that are above 500. You're stuck at 500. Look what you're doing against teams that are above you, and you're just like Nick. You said it best. They're not competing. So that's everything that we need to know. Uh, on top of that, it's just sad, though, Nick, that this is the end, though, of like the Trubisky era, more than likely. Who knows what other eras can come to a close here? And 
it just kind of brings things, I'll use those phrase full circle again. I mean, you and I were live as soon as the Bears drafted Mitch. We're live as soon as we watched him, his final three uh, throws a Bear, which was a touchdown to Jimmy Graham, which, again, garbage time doesn't matter, but it's just sad to see that circle can kind of complete its loop. And again, we can be proven wrong. They could bring him back. I'm not sure what the other options could even be at this point, but obviously we all know that Mitch is, he's not the answer. So it was just a tough yet weird, yet fun at some moments, depressing in other moments, boring at other moments, crazy at other moments type of season, which is so Bears. It is so Bears, a roller coaster ride that ends up crashing at some point, but that is, that's what life is like being a Bears fan covering this team, and you want to not have it just end that abruptly and devastating at, at some point. Like it's uh, like, I think you made the comment, Will, like all these kids that are watching on the Nickelodeon, you know, version, like they're not going to want to be Bears fans, even though they gave Mitch the MVP trophy, which is so funny, but that's so true. Like what, you know, younger generation kid wants to grow up watching this team. And I, I get it, if your parents, their parents do, it makes sense. But this is a team that someone wrote in the comments earlier. So credit to you. Like they are the Browns, but just have a championship in 1985. Like they're almost at that crappy level, like lion's territory. And it's sad to say, but that's true. What have the bears done since then? So it's um, a terrible situation being, we're going to be, and someone again, go into the comments, you people in the comments are what makes this show go. And obviously sparks up conversation. Someone said, I'm going to miss all the, the, um, the content in the off season. That's still going to be there. We're going to cover this. There's going to be a lot that's going to happen this offseason, we can imagine. So I'm looking forward to seeing what that's going to be like, but it's going to be a grueling process and one that could be happening you know, pretty soon, Will. Yeah, as soon as if the Bears make any decisions, it's emergency podcast time. So need not worry if anything breaking happens. As soon as Nick and I are able to get uh, behind the mics, uh, we'll be discussing it. Uh, and then on top of that as well, Nick, last year, I think the last two years, we've done – one show per week, all offseason. I mean, we we stay consistent, so don't worry. Uh, plenty of Bears talk, and I know Nick, you're excited now because you get to start looking at draft prospects. Yeah, absolutely. I've been kind of delaying it, and now that this Bears season's over, I can definitely get uh get the homework started. And you know, the Senior Bowl is coming up in a couple weeks, and I plan on being there. So yeah, it's time to get back to work. And the Bears draft 20th, by the way, in this year's draft. Uh, so at one point, we're holding a top 10 pick. So that kind of doesn't that look, doesn't that feel more enticing right now than how everything kind of shaked out at the end of the season? And again, I'm not for tanking and losing for draft stock, but I, a top 10 pick sounds mighty fine right now. It sure does. It definitely does. That is, you can't dispute that. All right, Nick. Hey, thanks so much uh, for all your consistency this year too. I believe Nick, this is the first season that you and I have been able to do again. Usually we go to one game a year. So there's one post game show gone, but we were consistent enough to do every preview and every post game you and I together. And I think that's the first time ever. Probably. So yeah, again, thanks for your, all your effort and dedication will to, you know, like you were mentioning earlier, this has been a crazy season, but we did. Uh, I think we did a damn good job trying to provide content throughout it, and yeah, so we'll we'll keep that dedication, commitment, and going into twenty twenty one. 
For sure. I want to thank everyone who's here watching the live show. You mean everything to both Nick and myself, everyone listening to the podcast. You're included as well. We really would not be here if not for you. We'd just be two dudes talking to one another. Um, but really, uh, without you, there wouldn't be Chicago Audible. So just want to make sure that our gratitude uh, does come through right now. If you want to help support our show for the next time we ever do a podcast, Nick, you want to let people know how they can donate? That way they can get that shout-out. Again, it won't be a preview game shout-out, but... Obviously, by the time we have our next episode, as long as we have any donations that come in, we're always going to have a segment for you. Absolutely. So you can make that happen through Venmo or PayPal. If you want to send your donation through Venmo, you can do it at the Chicago Audible. You should see my name and the Chicago Audible logo. And on PayPal, it's www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. And one more time on Venmo at the Chicago Audible. And then PayPal is www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. Thanks so much, man. Up next, who the heck knows what's going to happen after this game? We can be back tomorrow if breaking news happens, if people are leaving, getting fired, things of that nature. Um, If not, if for some reason things stay status quo, I think we need an episode to talk about that as well. And of course, uh, maybe not of course for you if you're a newer listener, but every year Nick and I do an end of the season awards show. And even though a loss like today, you're like, why would you do it? It's fun. It's lighthearted. It's a good way to just kind of like recap the season, highlight some players, good and bad, and just have some fun with it. So I'm sure exactly when's the next time you'll hear from us, what we'll even be talking about. And on top of that too, as we already said, plenty of content coming this off season, getting you prepared for the draft talking about potential free agents, players that are leaving, taking a whole step back and look at the entire roster, both offense, defense, and special teams, trying to pick and choose and help plan throughout this offseason. It's always a ton of fun. Can't wait to get back to that mode, that GM mind mode, before uh, we get back to Nick. I'm excited to hopefully get Bears football again. I know it's only been about an hour since it ended, but I miss it. And again, I don't know if we'll even get to see games in August again. Like if they do a preseason, preseason games, or if they, again, depending on how the pandemic plays out, if we do have to wait till September again, and unfortunately, just due to everything, we may have another off season where things are really tight knit underneath the wraps, not a lot of access, and it'll make things a challenge, but I'm excited to kind of go through this journey with you, whatever 2021 holds for you, me, and the Chicago Bears. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be an interesting one. Hopefully we go to Vegas for a game. That would be that would be a, a trip. Uh, saving all the money I need to lose right now. Gambling. <laughs> no, not really. I do not do that. Play responsibly, uh, by the way. I just got to make sure I say that. But, again, the Bears lose. I don't need to say it, but I have to. It's a post-game show. They lost to the Saints 21-9, to 21-3 if you're counting the real points as uh, end of at least – Well, actually, we don't know. An end of what era could end up being in front of us. But we'll find out as we break down this entire offseason. But just like that, the Chicago Bears 2020 season comes to a close. We'll be back soon with whatever is on the other side. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. 
our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.